0: Well, good afternoon and welcome to this time of remembering and celebrating the life of our brother, husband, father, friend, coworker, neighbor, etc., John Roger Perot. Thank you for being here in person or virtually and uh, being here to comfort and support the family, love the Perot family. If you're able to, please stay around for a catered lunch afterward right in the same facility and uh, have time to greet one another and share a meal together. As you came in this afternoon, hopefully you received a beautiful brochure, a bulletin, and inside that front cover is an obituary that I'd like to read for us as we start our uh, celebration of life and um, uh, honoring of our our brother John. It reads, Loving husband, father, son, and brother, John passed away April 27, 2021. John loved his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and is with him now. His family and friends will greatly miss him and cherish him always in their memories. John received a bachelor's degree in microeconomics from the University of California, Santa Barbara, and graduated with honors from the California Culinary Academy in San Francisco. On June 3, 2000, John married Jeanette and was a loving father to their two sons and three daughters. The family moved from Santa Ynez, California to their present home in Crittenden, Kentucky in 2018, and they're devoted members of the Liberty Bible Church community. John dedicated his life to his family and to the Lord. He had a passion for cooking and spent his career in the restaurant and food service fields. His ever-present smile and bottomless reservoir of kindness and humor were his calling card, never failing to spread the love of Jesus to everyone he met. John was preceded in death by his father, Donald, and mother, Phyllis. He survived by his wife Jeanette, his children Benjamin, Daniel, Abigail, Naomi, and Sarai, his sisters Annette, Denise, Maddie, Jackie, and Suzanne, his brother James, as well as eleven nieces and nephews. Can we pray together? Our Father in Heaven, we are so grateful that we can come before you with mournful hearts and yet hopeful hearts, joyful hearts, because of what Christ has done. We know that for John, as well as for each one of us, to be absent from the body is to be present with you, those who are in Christ, of course. We know, we feel John John's absence, we feel it more each day, it seems, and yet you are faithful. We are trusting your provision, your strength, your comfort, your kindness, your goodness, your good sovereignty and purpose. We look for and long for that reunion that we have with you and with John and other of our loved ones who are with you in glory. Please give comfort, please give hope and joy to the family, Jeanette and Benjamin and Daniel and Abigail, Naomi and Sarai. Also, uh, John's father-in-law, Wayne, uh, siblings, John's siblings and their spouses, Jeanette's siblings, their spouses, nieces and nephews, uh, cousins, all sorts of folks who are um, attentive to this time and this time to encourage one another, to comfort one another in the Lord. Please help us to honor John. Please help us to honor Jesus. We're so grateful. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.
1: John fourteen one through 7 let, now your hearts be, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also, and you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, "Lord, we know not what no, we know not where you are going. how can we know the way." Jesus said to him, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me My father, John Roger Perot, loved our Lord Jesus Christ. Many of you here today welcomed our family into your community when we moved to Kentucky and know him very well. Many of you have been fortunate enough to experience my dad's cooking. He's a gifted chef who create, could create amazing banquets for hundreds as easily as mouth-watering end-of-the-month meals for our family. I'd like to thank my Uncle James, his favorite brother, for putting our memories of my dad in the form of a recipe in appreciation for his culinary talents. So here is a recipe for a good man. First, you start with a large slab of hard work. If you look up 110%, Um, on the internet, you won't find a picture of my dad. That's because, as anybody who's ever been around my dad knows, he always gave 120%. He worked hard and excelled in school, so much so that he raised the teacher's expectation for his brother. Um, My dad, he also teamed up with his father-in-law, Wayne, to form a handyman business. My dad knew how to build, create, or fix nearly anything. Given his work ethic, if he didn't already know how to do something, you could be sure he would find out. My dad's weakness when it came to hard work was dirty dishes. It's funny because he never met a pot or pan that he couldn't make dirty uh, when he cooked. My dad's meals were followed by the need to wash mounds of dirty dishes. But it was worth it. I'm sure everyone would be willing to wash a mountain of dishes just to have him prepare one more meal. I know I would. Hard work, however, can make a man tough and hard. So a liberal a liberal amount of generosity is needed to add tenderness. My dad's generous spirit was enormous, and anyone who was in need of anything was sure to benefit from his help. Whether he was lending a hand for house repairs, providing meals to someone who needed it, um, or even offering rides to those without transportation, my dad was quick to put the needs of our family Friends, church, and even strangers before his own. Um, no errand was too much, no favor too big. He even donated half of his liver to save the life of a co worker. So while it may be hard, so while hard work may be the basis of his recipe, generosity is definitely a key ingredient. Next, the recipe adds a measure of devotion devotion to his family, friends, and Lord, and was an essential part of my dad. Growing up, it seemed he might become a priest, which not, would not have been unusual for the son of a Catholic family. Of course, my brothers and sisters and I are grateful that he didn't. Instead, in his devotion to his father, my dad decided to follow in his footsteps and pursue a degree in engineering. Ultimately, it was the love for his mother and the time spent with her in the kitchen that steered my dad to the California Culinary Academy, where he graduated with honors and a tasty future. But, as many of you know from his ministry here, my dad was not complete without his devotion to our Lord Jesus. His journey in faith led him to a Bible study in Santa Barbara, where he met the love of his life, my mom, Jeanette. Um, Their first date was to the Fiesta Rodeo, and we, their children, are also extremely grateful that it was love at first sight. This brings us to an unexpected ingredient that not many are aware of which was his large helping of athletic prowess. Um, My dad has always been strong physically, and growing up, he was a star soccer player in high school. He might have continued on in college, if not for a crazy injury that shattered his ankle um, in his senior year. He continued to be a star after his recovery and dominated intramural and semi-pro leagues in Santa Barbara for years. (sighs) Everyone loved to play with my dad because besides being skilled, He was a gracious and generous player in victory and in defeat, Uh, but he didn't lose his athleticism until the surgery for his liver donation affected his health, um, from which he never seemed to fully recover, although he remained strong. Recipes often call for an addition of something acidic, like a squeeze of lemon juice or a splash of vinegar. This may seem incompatible with the rest of the ingredients, but it balances and enhances the flavors. Um, in this recipe for a good man, the necessary ingredient is stubbornness. When my dad settled on a plan, made a decision, or embraced a belief, it was very, very difficult to change his mind. This was not because he had—he was thoughtless or pig-headed, though. Instead, it was because my dad thought through things through carefully before resolving himself to a decision. This tenacity um, that drove his hard work also the steadfast that his devotion rested upon. His passionate debates about religion uh, with my Uncle James often drove his sisters crazy. Uh, once all of these ingredients are mixed together, it's important to transfer the mixture into a large pan that has been carefully coated with decency. Jesus told us not only to love our neighbors, but also to love our enemies, and my dad lived that. When he didn't agree with other people about things he considered important, even when when those disagreements were about his faith. Um, he didn't attack or insult them. Instead, my dad lived as an example for his beliefs. He also learned from his Savior that in everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you, for this is the law and the prophets. Finally, before putting it on in the oven, sprinkle this recipe with puns to taste, and then add more puns, because puns are not about good taste. And for my dad, the more puns, the better. We groaned and called these dad jokes. His brothers and sister, his brother and sisters, shook their heads and called them John jokes. We don't know what his coworkers called him called them, but we're assured they have heard his puns because my dad was very generous with his punishment. Um, he was the king of puns and was always delighted to twist a good a good twist of phrase, whether by himself or others. It was little wonder that he was so punctual and loved punch. Um, Sometimes he was a little pungent, but never a punk. Sorry, but my dad would have no compunction about extending this punditry and his homespun humor. Sorry, sorry, I'll stop. Um, I would now like to move on and talk about my dad's love for acupuncture and punctuation. Okay, okay, it's not punny anymore. That was the last one, I promise, although my dad would probably have spun that a bit for another 10 minutes. Um, There was a great deal more to my dad than all these ingredients. He loved creating delicious barbecue and amazing photography, spending time at air shows, and chasing fire helicopters all over the county. Um, He loved having animals to care for and finding treasure out of someone else's junk. He loved adding us kids as characters in the fairy tales he told us, or pretending to eat our toes when he changed our diapers. <laughs> He'd always manage to sing the chorus off-key when listening to country music or to his favorite band, Apologetics. And he would always fall asleep watching TV in church, and, well, pretty much anywhere. Um, not just because he was tired from always working so hard, but because he also suffered from narcolepsy. Because of this, my dad also loved caffeine probably a little too much, uh, it messed with his sleep cycle, maybe a little, but it helped him stay awake for the things he cared about, like dinners with his family, his Bible studies, and helping others. So if you follow this recipe, as I've set forth, you wouldn't exactly get a John Perot, but if you combine these ingredients carefully, you would definitely end up with a good man. And that's what my dad was, a very good man. 2 Timothy uh, 4, 7, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith.
0: Well, praise the Lord, God is good. This last hymn that Nathaniel just sang for us and Heidi accompanied is a good testimony to John's life. It beautifully pictures his life, he is a consecrated man to the Lord with his time, his skills, he demonstrated his love for God and others, and John used his hands, as Ben, you so well read and shared about your dad. He used his hands to serve and was quick to praise God for his goodness. So we have, as, our, as a church, we have an online messaging platform. We share prayer requests and other updates. John had been in the hospital here uh, last month, been in there for several days. This was um, the last message that he posted, as far as I know, on that online group, and it was... Uh, Comment, well, I'll just read it to you. But you can see what was on his mind, even from uh, his hospital bed. And he said, "Thank you all for your prayers and support of my family." I wasn't concerned about him so much. He was concerned for his family. He said, "You guys are so wonderful. God is great." That really typified John's attitude toward life. It reflected his commitment to the greatest commandment and the second, which is like it—to love God and to love others. John was, uh, as the obituary stated, John was dedicated to his family and to the Lord. And you all would, would add to me. He was devoted to me. He was dedicated to serve me. He was always asked, always ask, what can we do? How can we help? And his family follows that same pattern. We could easily claim that John loved God and loved others, especially his family, to the very end of his days. And we have come together to mark the end of those days, end of his earthly life anyway. Uh, funerals of loved ones allow us time to take to heart significant issues in life. They could include uh, priorities, what's important in our lives. Uh, could re, uh, help us to focus on relationships and maybe unresolved conflict that we have. And certainly, we can reflect upon death. Death is one common denominator of all of our lives. Uh, the wisest man in the, in the world, uh, Solomon, wrote Ecclesiastes, and he wrote in chapter 7, it is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. Because that is the end of every man, and the living takes it to heart. The mind of the wise is in the house of mourning, while the mind of fools is in the house of pleasure. We want to be wise people, don't we? We want to know what God wants us to do and then commit ourselves to doing it. That's wisdom. Well, in the end, we will all come before God. We will all stand before him as either a, well, we'll get to that in just a moment but we will all come before god whether or not we've heard about him whether or not we've heard about jesus whether or not we've heard about uh, if if there is a god if god even exists uh, whether or not we live in the fear of god whether or not we're good people we deserve to go and be with god whether or not we've ever opened a bible or entered a church building we will all stand before god the question is will we find him a forgiving father Some will find them a forgiving father. Psalm one hundred thirty, a fantastic psalm, a wonderful psalm. Uh, The Psalmist says If you, Lord, should keep a record of wrongs or keep a track of our iniquities, O Lord, who? Who could stand? No one, no one could stand. But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. Psalm thirty two says How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, not tracked and, and recorded against us, but forgiven whose sin is covered. Some will find God as a forgiving father. Scriptures also say, You, Lord, are good and by nature forgiving and abundant and loving kindness to all who call upon you. That is the goal of each of our lives, or it should be, to call upon the Lord. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. This wonderful promise in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation, Not just less condemnation, not just a a reduced sentence or anything, but no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And those who have believed have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children heirs also heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. The Lord Jesus himself said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give eternal life to them, and they shall never perish, and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who's given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. That's a great promise. What kind of assurance can we have of our security? Our, our, our salvation in Christ, no one is able to snatch them out of my hand. The scripture says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, like I say, we will all, in the end, come before God. Some will find him a forgiving father. Some will find him a condemning judge. And you think, how can that be the same? How can that be one and the same? How can God be both a forgiving father and a condemning judge? Well, he is holy, and he is righteous, and he is the one who, with whom we will have to give an account. He made us. We didn't make ourselves. We didn't come hap- you know, just by happenstance. He made us for himself. But why is this condemning? Why does, she, why does he find fault with us? Are you kidding me? I mean, you can find fault with your neighbor, right? You ever find fault with yourself? Do you acknowledge your own sin before him? The scripture teaches, this is Jeremiah 17, the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. You remember that verse, Psalm 130, said, If you, Lord, should keep track, keep record of transgressions or iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? He does keep track of iniquities. He does recompense every person according to his deeds. Hebrews 9 and verse 27 says, It is appointed for men and ladies aren't excluded, and children either, to die once, and after this comes judgment. Some will find God a condemning judge. Revelation 20 says, at the end times, uh, I saw, John the apostle said, I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Jesus told many parables, uh, stories that illustrated uh, truths uh, that were, were spoken in the language of the people. And he spoke this parable in Matthew 13. He said, The kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet cast into the sea, gathering up fish of every kind. And when it was filled, they drew it upon the beach They sat down and gathered the good fish into containers, but the bad they threw away. So it will be at the end of the age, the angels will come forth and take out the wicked from among the righteous, and will throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, God is both a forgiving father or a condemning judge. Well, what's the difference? How will we know? Will we come before God as a forgiving father, you know, receive us into his presence, and we can be adopted into his family, or will we be condemned and cast away from his presence well it all depends on what we do with jesus christ he is the great separator the great demarcator this scripture i think the whole world maybe knows it or at least uh, has heard it or actually that's not even true because so many people uh, need to hear the gospel need to hear the, the message of salvation but john three sixteen says for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. In the next verse, God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world should be saved through him. And you think, well, Jesus didn't come to judge. Well, not his first time. He came to save. He came to suffer and die on the cross to pave that penalty that we owe, the, the debt of sin that we owe God. But when he comes that second time, he comes in judgment. He comes with his wrath, the wrath of the Father, to execute. Well, what do we do? What? How do we believe? It says uh, whoever believes in him, what are we supposed to believe about him? What should we trust? 1 Corinthians 15 says, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised in the third day according to the scriptures, and he appeared to Cephas or Peter and to the twelve and others as well, proving that he was alive. He died, his body was buried in the grave, in the tomb, he was raised up to life. The scripture teaches us in Acts 4, 4 and verse 12 there is salvation and no one else. And that's both good news and bad news. It's bad news for people who say oh there are many paths to Jesus or many paths to God. We can choose our own. Thing. Well no. There's only one way and that is Jesus. And that is good news because there doesn't need to be another way. Jesus is sufficient. He is that one who who paid that penalty. There is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus said it himself, no one comes to the Father but by me, as we read in John 14. Unless we think, oh God, is mean then to be such a judgmental or condemning Father, let me tell you, right now he is so kind. He is inviting anyone to come before him. Titus chapter 3 says, when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, this is the appearance of, of Jesus coming to earth. God saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we've done and righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we might be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So again, the truth is, each one of us, unless the Lord returns first, each one of us will follow our brother John's footsteps and walk through the valley of the shadow of death. The important thing is, can you say that the Lord is with me? And I don't need to fear that valley of the shadow of death. The Lord is with me. Now, you know, and Ben mentioned it, uh, John, our brother John, was so earnest in his desire for people to trust Jesus. Sometimes he might have come across as severe, maybe a little harsh, but you know that it was out of love, it was out of concern, intense concern for each one of us. So please do your best to honor the Lord Jesus, to honor John and his memory by thinking soberly, as Solomon, the wisest man, said, the house of the wise is in the mind. The, the heart of the wise is in the house of mourning. Uh, think about these issues and make necessary corrections now. You don't know when the end of your days will be. Could be today. Could be the next day. You have opportunity today. Later in that wisdom book, Ecclesiastes chapter twelve, uh, the the preacher says, "Remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come, when the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the spirit to God who gave it." That is the truth we have for each one of us, uh, from dust to dust. But our spirit returns to God who gave it. What are we supposed to do? What should we do with this message of salvation? Romans 10 says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, Whoever believes in him will not be disappointed and Whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Put your faith in the Lord Jesus, and you can know that your sins are forgiven and that you'll be with the Lord and John forever. Our Father in heaven, we again thank you for John's life you have both given and taken away. We bless your name. We thank you for the privilege that we have had to know this servant of yours, John Roger Perot. Thank you for the twenty over 20 years of marriage between John and Jeanette. Thank you for continuing John's legacy and his children, Benjamin, Daniel, Abigail, Naomi, and Sarai. We want to please help us to release John to your care. It's not a permanent separation, only until we meet again in glory. Please give comfort. Please strengthen. Please give wisdom to Jeanette and the children. Please meet their needs. They have so many uh, things to think through and decide upon. Please help us to help them. We pray, as John greatly desired, please save those who do not know you. Let them turn this day of mourning into a day of celebration as they confess their sins and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let them find the joy and peace in believing the gospel. We thank you for the victory. You give the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died, he was buried, he was resurrected, so we can be also. Thank you that we need not fear death, for Christ has conquered death, and he's given eternal life to those who trust him. We pray that Christ would come soon and bring the saints with him in glory. Please help us to live lives that please you, that are acceptable in your sight. We thank you for this time together. Please bless our our conversation. Please bless our hugs and our just encouraging one another. We thank you for the food you provided and the fellowship that we can enjoy around that table. Please bless. Please help. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.